Hello, I'm Kerry Lunigan. Welcome to The Weekly Grill, brought to you by Beef Central and Alanco Animal Health. And our special guest today is Gary Edwards. Now, agriculture in Australia has given us many wonderful stories of success and innovation. Some of these stories are indeed part of Australian legend. However, Australian agriculture is also littered with the skeletons of failure, both at personal and family level, even community level, but more noticeably at the corporate level. Think of the big talkers and usually big uh, spenders who've usually ended up belly up via dumb decisions made in pursuit of the dollar in the business of agriculture in Australia. And a few years back, a young bloke and his company merged into the agribusiness world. He was little known then, but now the city-based corporate world heavyweights are taking notice. He is a CEO of the Australian Agriculture Managed Investment Group, AMIG, A-A-M-I-G, Gary Edwards. You're on the grill with Beef Central. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Gary, you're hardly a Pitt Street farmer, are you? You've actually had shit on your boots, I think, for a long, long time, or at least most of your working life. Let's uh, start when you went to Hawkesbury Ag College. You, you were ducks of your year at Hawkesbury, I understand. And very soon, uh, yeah. Yeah, very soon, you were adventuring overseas, especially to America, from scholarships you were awarded. Tell us about that, those journeys. I was very, very fortunate, Kerry, uh, in my younger days, finishing high school, to win a national livestock uh, judging competition with uh, the Angus Cattle Breed. And fortunately, the Angus Cattle Breed... Uh, had a very advanced program for bringing through youth. And I, I was got the opportunity to go to the University of Illinois uh, for six months and study animal science. But I spent the best part of three and a half months traveling around 18 different states judging uh, livestock of sheep, cattle and pigs uh, on the university judging team. You were a young Aussie judging American cattle as a teenager in the United States. That's a, that's a bit of a journey. Well, certainly, you know, it was really interesting to get exposed to uh, the professionalism of the American industry at such an early age. It was, you know, very, very eye-opening for a young Australian uh, out of the Hunter Valley to head over there and, and see all that. What did you, and what in particular did you learn in American or from American farmers and grazers which has stuck with you since uh, those visits? I looked at the level of how they were able to communicate what they were doing with their business and, and what their plans were. Uh, the fact that they very much had five and ten year plans that they were trying to uh, to execute, and just the way that they went around investing in their genetics and, and and structuring their businesses was really quite impressive. So you're back in Australia then, and you have a series of positions in the agricultural world. No doubt you saw and learned a lot. When did you get the first inkling of a fund specifically aimed at Australian agriculture? Uh, It would have been in the late 2000s. In 2008, um, I was very, very fortunate to be involved with the RLX initiative, which is the creation of Palisade Investment Partners. And the RLX project took around investing Australian mum and dad superannuation money and investing it into supply chain infrastructure, in which, in this case, it was large-scale modern cellular, something that really hadn't been done previously. But it really highlighted the opportunity that investment at scale and and investment in technology and even some basic sustainability initiatives that were commencing back then really had a, a big opportunity in this industry. Yes, you must have seen those features uh, which were not obvious to city 
based investors and fund managers? Well, certainly the great misnomer uh, about Australian agriculture and regional areas is that they're fully developed. Uh, They're certainly more developed than other parts of the world, but they're far from fully developed. And if you look at what's what's gone on and the improvements in productivity in the last 15 years, that's testament just to the sheer amount of capital investment that will be continued to be attracted to this sector. So you start a big Australian agriculture managed investment group. What, what was your first investment and when did that happen? Well, look, the first investments that we did were private investments um, in a, a range of different activities, one of which was uh, the, the Colac Meatworks, of all things, uh, processing lamb for coals in, in Victoria. And I guess it grew from there to the investments in different forms of production agriculture. And then eventually, in around about 2018, we got involved in the chicken industry, which was a pretty interesting thing to get involved with for someone who's spent their life in the red meat industry. Yes, you're very fond of the word diversity in your uh, management talks. Uh, you look through your portfolio, it certainly is diverse. Uh, chicken farms, uh, timber mills, cattle, of course, uh, cropping activity, there's sheep, there's organic sheep, uh, much, much more. Why all the difference? Why wouldn't you focus on one particular area? Well, as a business, we set about creating uh, stabilised returns in agriculture. And the way that we needed to do that was to create diversity across production cycles, against uh, across commodity markets, and frankly also by investing in different geographic regions so that if there was a weather event, whether it's a flood or a drought or anything in between in one particular location, we had operating businesses in other sectors that were unlikely to be exposed to the same weather event, which has allowed us to create a platform of producing stabilised income returns. Uh, in fact, we pay quarterly, uh, quarterly distributions and have done since the commencement of the funds, which is something incredibly unique uh, in the agriculture sector. That is different, isn't it? Paying You've paid them every quarter since you started? Yeah, every quarter we've paid a dividend. And yeah, the, the basic return that we've achieved uh, over this period of time is a, a little above a 7% cash yield, which is pretty reasonable in this day and age, and, and a lot of people didn't think that was possible when we started um, in investing in the agriculture sector, particularly a lot of people based in Sydney, Melbourne and Brisbane. Uh, you could add to that Adelaide and Perth for that matter, but the, the reality is that there are opportunities out there when you do it at scale and, and when you do it well, and, and we are very, very fortunate as a business to have an exceptional operational team that delivers on running these assets every day. Many will say when you set those uh, planned 7 to 8% dividend quarterly payments, many thought you were setting a very, very high bar and yet you managed to meet all those targets. That must be outstanding for you as well as the investors, of course. Well, it's certainly been outstanding for the business to uh, deliver on what we said we're going to do. I mean, that was really, really important from the investor's perspective to see that. And as a consequence, if you look at the capital inflows that's, that's now been attracted into this sector and certainly into our business over the past three to four years, it's quite extraordinary that uh, you know, our assets under management will likely uh, reach or exceed $600 million by the end of this calendar year. Now, on the negative side of diversity, of course, 
how do you possibly get all the skill sets needed for this uh, to manage uh, such a wide range of business activities? Employing exceptional people. Hack attack duo um, staff look, the fundamental from Alenco the, provides knockdown the, the and residual control of cattle really ticks and ivermectin-sensitive parasites. Applied uh, early in the season, Attack duo staff reduces the build-up of the tick but population the day, and helps to prolong the life of effective chemistry. Ticks and worms the flick with Attack duo staff. When you get excellent people together and you've got some capital backing, you can do some pretty incredible things. Can I just mention a couple of the businesses? The chicken business, you're, you can tell us how big you are on that. I know you've got 30 or 40 sheds or something like that, but the chicken business and the timber businesses, just check the price of timber these days. Firstly, chicken and chicken demand, it seems insatiable, and you've got insatiable demand for timber as well. Well, you know, in the last 12 months and for the last couple of years, we produced 20 million uh, free-range and RSPCA-certified chickens for Inghams uh, down in South Australia. I think in that market, we're their largest supplier. And you're right, from a, a, a timber perspective, we, uh, we've had an investment in the Bathurst region uh, central western New South Wales for some time, but we're expanding that by about 400% with uh, the new acquisitions in uh, just outside of Brisbane here and down in Mount Gambia region of South Australia. Now, I talk about a recent event, or this recent being ongoing for 18 months or more, COVID. What impact did COVID have on your business and on your agricultural assets? Well, obviously, it made it uh, very difficult to move around and visit our locations that we um, we operate assets and portfolios in five different states and territories. So that was particularly difficult. What it did make us do, though, is change the way that we communicated with people and, and fast track uh, the technology or getting the technology in place to allow us to continue to run these and, and work with our teams and those locations. But I guess that the interesting thing it did from an investment perspective is it really established agriculture on its own to demonstrate how uncorrelated it is to the traditional investment market. And for a lot of uh, investors, it really confirmed what they were starting to think, that investing in agriculture was, was quite different and really had much different risks to what they uh, previously assumed. Time for a quick break. We'll be back in a moment after this brief message from our sponsors, Elenco Animal Health. Don't let your cattle suffer the setbacks caused by buffalo fly. Combat buffalo fly with Corral Patriot and silence insecticidal ear tags. Providing up to four months of long-lasting fly control. Elanco has you covered with a range of ear tags to suit your rotation program. Contact Alanco and find out how you can win the Buffalo Fly Battle now. We're back on the grill and we're with Gary Edwards, who's the CEO of AAMIG, that's the Australian Agricultural Managed Investment Group. Let's talk about your, your cattle acquisitions and your cattle portfolio. You've got that big property, Terek Terek, up in central Queensland near Blackhall. You've added many other properties. The cattle prices are unbelievable. What's ahead here? Surely trends are bound to change sometime. What impact will that have on, on your business? Look, 
from a business perspective, uh, we are, I guess, always forecasting a slight decline from where the prices are at the moment. But the reality is the shortage or, or demand for high-quality red meat proteins and, and the state of which the national cattle herd is in, and particularly our other exporting nations, is going to lead everyone to understand that there is a new baseline that's been established in uh, cattle production and, and, and beef pricing in general, which I think is exceptionally positive for everyone. And if you look at the investment that uh, that's coming out right across the market, uh, it's really testament to that. From our business perspective, we, we're taking a very long-term view to this. Uh, we're investing in breeding operations. We're investing in our, our grow-out business, and we'll continue to do that. Uh, we might change where we look to acquire assets into the future, uh, given that we've got a reasonable, substantial holding in uh, Blackall and a couple of other locations, but it won't stop us from investing. AMIG is a, among a number of investors intent on returning sheep to Western Queensland. To do this, you had to build exclusion fencing. That's an expensive exercise. How's it gone so far and how's the return of sheep process going? Well, to date, I think we've just exceeded 220 kilometres of exclusion fencing around uh, the assets that we've acquired in the Blackall region. Uh, And I guess most significantly, uh, this year we've seen the first 15,000 ewes arrive uh, back onto Terek Terek. So that's a pretty monumental uh, event for the region and, and, and certainly for us as a business. Uh, is that just a moment, really Gary, just, uh, could you, is that wool sheep or sheep meat? Uh, they, these are, so there's 15,000 meat sheep, uh, given that it's an organic production base. It's very, very hard to run organic wool production uh, at this point in time. But it, it's the, fir- the first 15,000 ewes are part of a 50,000 ewe program we intend to establish out in that region over the next two to three years. And they, they will be organic sheep? That's correct. And where do you you have to feed them and locate them there, but where do you get them processed? We'll look to integrate them into uh, part of what we're doing or some operations we're looking at expanding uh, down in New South Wales. So it's likely that uh, the lambs themselves will head in that direction. Uh, part, of, part of the the benefit of being in an organic business is you can choose to participate in the organic supply chain or the conventional supply chain. Just at the moment, the conventional supply chains for both lamb and beef are exceeding that of the uh, the organic. But that's not going to change what we do at a breeding level in, in Western Queensland. It may change which markets that the livestock actually end up in uh, over the next two to three years from a processing perspective. I would suspect that the more sheep that get back out to Western Queensland, the more likely there may be another sheep abattoir open in the district or not far from there at least. Is that possible? Well, look, certainly numbers, getting the numbers of sheep in Western Queensland uh, or Queensland as a whole will have a massive impact in regards to what that means from a processing perspective because obviously over many decades we've seen a decline in that but the rate of volume of increases in sheep production is quite extraordinary. So if processors don't respond to that, I'd be very surprised. Gary, is your group part of the big green movement that's uh, being spoken of just about every day we pick up the newspaper or listen on the radio? Well, I guess quite unashamedly, Gary, we we don't really see it as a big green movement. We see it as a massive sustainability movement. Uh, It's actually extremely good business for us. Um, And and one of the the key things is 
uh, first and foremost, economic sustainability, but that leads to our business having the opportunity to do incredible things, um, such as what we've done down at the poultry operation down in South Australia. Uh, we've now got a, a solar uh, system down there interface with a battery system and a, and a generator system down there that we have the ability, should we choose to, to run the entire operation uh, off the grid. But significantly, what we've done is reduce our energy consumption costs by about 65%. And on top of that, we've been able to take a 40,000 tonne waste product line, uh, which is the flooring out of the sheds, and convert a new market of organic pelletised fertiliser, which is quite extraordinary in its own right. So that's coming out of the chicken sheds. How many did you say you had again? Uh, there's, there's 90 sheds down there. and We produce 20 million chickens a year. So that's one of the, the largest uh, operations of its kind in Australia. And you're making you're being positive about the the byproducts <coughs> as well. You get you're getting something positive out of those uh, of the ones that were normally a problem to dispose of. Yeah, so we've uh, yeah we've got some really smart people that work for us uh, here that have uh, in our sustainability team that have worked through a process of how we create a market producing uh, composted uh, organic chicken litter, uh, it's extremely high in nitrogen. In fact, we've sent a, a few uh, road train loans of it uh, over to New South Wales and into Queensland to do a reasonably extensive trial list, but the impact it's going to have in on our assets uh, as a core-based fertiliser in our program. Carbon credits, uh, you've touched briefly on those. Are, are they part of uh, any major part of the future for Amy? Look, any large-scale and, in fact, even medium and small-scale agricultural businesses that, that are not paying attention to the carbon opportunity are potentially asleep at the world. So for us, we are taking a very significant look at it. Uh, I'll openly say we're not rushing out there and signing up to companies and, and selling our future credits at this point in time. What we're doing is baselining all of our assets because we believe that there's a more sustainable and, and frankly, more valuable offering that will come to the market in the next couple of years. But it's something that we are taking incredibly seriously. And you're hoping to get involved with this with three or four years? Could it be a major part of uh, Grazier's income over coming years, do you think? I suspect it has to be, uh, given the impost that's gone onto the agricultural industry over the last you know, several decades. It's about time the farmer got some wins here. And frankly, it's, it's really demonstrating that the farmers are not the bad people because they're actually going to be the saviours of the Australian economy uh, through this whole carbon approach. And you know, particularly given the recent, uh, recent announcements of our net zero targets, it's going to be critical that the Australian farming sector gets on board and delivers here because there's a lot of money to be gained and you know, a lot of value to be created. Gary, uh, some people have been telling me you're known as a person who thinks outside the square. You've just confirmed that. But tell me, what's your view on the future for agriculture in Australia, especially the livestock business? Well, look, the future is incredibly bright. I mean, we're living in a time where the national sheep flock is at its lowest level than it's been in a century. Uh, the cattle herd, the closest, yeah, the lowest it's been in 30 to 35 years. We're seeing prices uh, at the level that high-quality red meat protein should be at. Uh, I think consumers need to get ready to, to pay more for what they're uh, consuming. 
But it's also phenomenal to see the level of investment that's going back into agriculture and, and the fact that agriculture is such as an investable asset class these days. I think it's a really exciting time. And if, if anyone's not seeing a prosperous future at the moment, uh, there's never been a brighter opportunity in my short career in being involved in, in this sector uh, over the past sort of 20 to 25 years. But you know, I'm tremendously excited for what the future holds, and I hope there's plenty of people out there to share that vision. Gary, uh, nice to hear such confidence in the future of our Australian farming business. Thank you for joining us on The Grill. Thanks, Gary. And thank you for joining me today. Until next time, I'm Kerry Lonigan, and this is The Weekly Grill, brought to you by Beef Central and our podcast partner, Elenco Animal Health. <laughs>